0: Let's roll into our material for the day. Uh, we are walking through 52 um, core themes of the Bible, 52 main themes of the Bible, and uh, using this book as a kind of a launching pad. Um, this is Core 52. You can get a copy if you are so inclined out in the lobby under the um, um, flat screen TV, and uh, would love for you to like follow along. It's a way to take... The sermon a little bit deeper, so every week we'll do a different theme. It's not going in chronological order. This week's theme is called Commissions on page 174, and then uh, in each weekly theme, uh, you'll have some. There's like an essay, and then there's some uh, other places in Scripture that talk about the theme, and then some life application stuff, and then some uh, maybe a, maybe an additional book um, written and published uh, by a Christian author scholar, whoever, uh, to take it a little, little bit deeper. So you can just come and listen to the sermon or you can try to go a little bit deeper throughout the week with Core 52 with the book. And then the idea is even if you don't know very much about the Bible right now, after 52 weeks in additional work throughout the week, another you know, 15 minutes a day, um, by the end of the year you'll be pretty familiar with, with the scriptures. So uh, today's theme is called Commission, and it's, it's, it's with a text often called the Great Commission. <coughs> and the concept is uh, our mission as followers of Jesus. If you want to follow Jesus, if you said yes to following Jesus, this is what Jesus wants you to be about most of all. Like This is the main thing for God's church. So uh, one way to look at it uh, comes from... Um, uh, how many, any of you read Stephen Covey's Seven Habits of Highly Effective People? Uh, starts out the, um, a lot of you, wow. Um, uh, starts out with this, with this analogy or this illustration, um, of, of a crew of people clearing a forest. And the crew's hard at work, you know, they're cutting down trees, they're chopping up trees, they're, whatever, stump in the ground, um, uh, doing really well, they're, they're very efficient at clearing this forest, and the manager's really proud of the team, he's uh, barking out orders and everybody's following orders, and, and, and all is, is going well. And then there's somebody up in the crow's nest, you know, up on a pole, kind of overseeing things from a 300-foot vantage point. And they yell down, um, hey, you're, you're clearing the wrong forest. And the manager yells back, Shut up, we're making good progress. <clears throat> it's the idea that you can do the right things. Yeah, I said that wrong. You can do things right without doing the right things. Like you can be very efficient, but actually, be doing the wrong thing or failing to do the right thing. And sometimes we go through life, sometimes people go through their job doing certain things really, really well, but it's not the right thing that their boss wants them to do. Sometimes we go through life doing a lot of things right, but we miss uh, the main points. We, we do the wrong kinds of things or fail to do the right kinds of things. And certainly churches and followers of Jesus do a lot of the right things um, or do a lot of things the right way but fail to do the main thing that Jesus tells us we should be doing. So let me read for you the Great Commission. This is a passage called the Great Commission. It's in Matthew 28. Notice, read it, and we'll go from there. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. I'm the center of it all. Jesus says that. Therefore, go. And if you really look into the language there, what he really says is, because I'm authority over all things, therefore, because of that, as you go. So, so that go is implying like as you go. As you go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So this is a co-mission. We're on mission with, co, with, with God. And the mission is, as you go, Jesus is sending out his followers, and he says, as you go, make disciples. A disciple is a learner. Make people who learn how to be obedient to everything that he's commanded. So so the idea is, you're going to go, and as you go into the world, as you go about your life, you're going to make disciples. You're going to help people learn the ways of Jesus. And let me stop for a minute and, 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 and take a, get, let me get sidetracked for a minute here, <clears throat> just to deal with something quick. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. See the way Jesus, this is Jesus talking, and he says, Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. There's some teaching going around in it, and I know that you know it's well-meaning. But I've heard it articulated: you should be baptized into the name of Jesus. And churches that baptize into the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, they're, they're leaving out the name of Jesus. Like that's out there. The reason we as a church baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit is because Jesus Himself, the center of it all, said. That's what we should do. So you might hear someone say you should be baptized into the name of Jesus, and sometimes it goes so far as if you weren't baptized into the name of Jesus and that wasn't actually said, you did it wrong. You need to be rebaptized. Well, the scriptures say Jesus said himself, "This is how you do it. This is what you say: baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit." And we know from ancient writings from the first and second and third century. That's the language early Christians used in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So if, if you're not prepared to ha- when that fact comes, and it sounds right, that sounds right, we should be baptized in the name of Jesus. Well, I'm sure that's fine, but the Bible says, Jesus said, baptize. And that, so that's why we use that language at Polaris. So just a little preemptive strike if that's relevant to you or ever becomes relevant to you. All right. <clears throat> So he says, as you go, as you live your life, make disciples. And the idea there is Jesus saying, here's the main thing. That you are helping people see Jesus the way you see Jesus. Experience Jesus the way you see Jesus. Experience him. You're doing something with your faith beyond yourself. You're passing along what God has done in your life. And and so it's like this. And this is where it's a little bit harsh, but it's, it's just fact, if we say we follow Jesus, and we're not helping other people get to where we are, then we're not really following the thing that Jesus says is the main thing. And so we can be doing a lot of things right, but fail to do the right and main thing. And this is a problem for a lot of churches, this is a problem for a lot of Christians, and I am certainly not above it. So let me tell you a little bit about how this has impacted my life. About 12 years ago or so, 13 years ago, I've been at Polaris for 10 years, ministry, full-time ministry for 10 years since Polaris started. And, um, and I realized I had this from, from some voices in my life that I appreciate from some difficult times in, in ministry. I realize I think <coughs> that I've been doing a lot of things right, but they're not the right things. I think I'm missing the main thing. And there's a couple ways that we miss the main thing in the church world. One thing we do, pastors do, I did was we got we get very passionate about making great church members. As if Jesus said, I want you to go and make great church members. But that's not what he said. He said followers of Jesus teaching to obey the things that, like he wants to make disciples. Not necessarily good church members. And here's what I mean by that. Polaris was designed, uh, you know, really wanted you... Uh, in the early days, to, um, to give a lot to Polaris. And I'm not talking financially necessarily, though that was, hope you know, expected. But you, and here's what I mean by that. <clears throat> Sunday, once you're here. Monday night, men's night, once you're here. Tuesday night, women's night, ladies, once you're here. Wednesday night, couples night, if you're married, I want you here. Thursday night, that's ministry teams. If you're here, you need to be serving on a ministry team here, and you need to be spending your Thursday evenings with that team, bettering your skills in that ministry area. Friday, Saturday was uh, once or twice a month, an event. So you see, if you're going to be a good church member, you need to be at Polaris five to six times a week, and pretty much not do... You're saying no to ball teams and and, um, um, extracurriculars and whatever you're involved in. Polaris is your community. You need to give it all to Polaris and be the best church member that you can be. Now, we wouldn't be quite that direct... But if you listen to the things that we invested in and said and, and the, the, you know, rah, 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 celebrated, whatever, <clears throat> that's really, that was, we, we were out to make good, make great church members. But the thing is, if the main thing is for you as a follower of Jesus, as a disciple, as a learner, to go into the world... And reproduce in the people around you who don't have what you have, what God has done in your life. You can be a great church member as we defined it without doing that, right? Like you could do all the right, all the things right that we want you to do, without actually doing anything uh, that Jesus said to do there in the Great Commission. So that was one. That was one. Like that was a big. Oh my gosh! I'm ten years into this. And I don't know if I've helped make a single disciple. I've helped people be really good church members, <coughs> a.k.a. used people, um, build my thing. I mean, it's God's thing, but it's that thing that I'm building for God. And But really, I don't know if I've been obedient to Matthew 28 myself, much less really helped anybody take that step. Um, and that's when um, I realized and, and, you know, repented and made, like, we are no longer a program-centered church because of that. I want you to be out in the world connecting with people like you so that you can help them. And then the second thing that sometimes we, uh, we get into the behavior modification mindset which says that if I, you know, if, I, if, I'm, if I'm a Christian, that means I swear less, I don't watch Game of Thrones, um, I, I don't complain as much and I'm not as mean to a waitress and I don't lie on my taxes too much. Um, I don't lie anymore or any less. Um, But you can do all those things without actually being obedient to the main thing. And I'm guessing that a large percentage of people who check the Christian box on the census um, do some behavior modification stuff but aren't intentionally obedient to what Jesus says is the main thing. And that's reproducing what God has done in you in the lives of other people, passing along your faith, sharing your faith, however you want to say it. And that can be intimidating, but it doesn't have to be. If you know how to, as you go, help the way Jesus is talking about here. And so uh, I've invited my friend Motorcycle Dave. I call him Motorcycle Dave because I guess I can leave this here Um, because I can't really pronounce his last name well. And I just decided I'm not going to try that anymore. I'm going to call him Motorcycle Dave. Thank you. And uh, Motorcycle Dave has a, an intentional, unique approach to the Great Commission, Matthew 28. So I asked if he would come here. I talked to him uh, a couple months ago. Uh, he shared with me what he does and his passion. And I thought, i got to get this guy teaching me and all of us some of what he does uh, in regard to sharing his faith. So, Dave, thank you for coming. Why don't you start with your full name? You can say your last name.
1: You can call me whatever you want except late for dinner. But David Schneikart, and um, I'm a member
0: of Soldiers for Jesus Motorcycle Club. Okay. So tell us about um, kind of your life before Jesus. Uh, where'd, you, where'd you grow up? What was life like? And, and just kind of detail for us, life before you had your real conversion gave your life to the purposes of God.
1: I mean, um, my family moved to Strongsville, I think, in 1980. And, you know, I had your typical everyday suburb kid life. Um, you know, we uh, were a part of the local Protestant church. And... Um, you know, my days with the church were basically because mom and dad made me go.
0: And have been there. Yeah. I mean, I can f- tell you how many ceiling boards are at West United Methodist Church in Massillon, Ohio. <laughs> you know, and I mean,
1: throughout my um, young adulthood and, you know, early adulthood, you know, the church kind of left my life because I wasn't forced to go anymore. And, um, You know, during that time, you know, um, in my um, low 20s, you know, I think um, um, anxiety and depression really took my life over. Um, I suffered with that traumatically. And uh, I think one of my coping mechanisms was alcohol. And, you know, I I used that a lot to uh, fight it. And, you know, I just, that was the kind of crowd I hung out with. You know, I was in a fraternity, in Kent State and you know what we did was drink and you know I I I drank myself out of college Um, you know and I I thought I was you know the controlled drunk you know being able to just uh, you know do it on the weekends or whatever and you know life caught up with me finally and uh, it it was taking over my life my wife gave me an ultimatum and uh, with that you know I quit for about three years but i i i did i did it for her not me and that's not the way to do things um you know it, it led me back to drinking and uh you know through the grace of god and uh, the fury of my wife you know i was given that ultimatum again and said <coughs> you know stop or leave and um you know during that time I was a functioning alcoholic I was the president of my uh, local church's council and um, you know she kind of called me out as a hypocrite and you know th- th- that was a name that hurt a lot but during that time you know I, I started you know I saw advertisement on Facebook said biker Bible study You know, and at the time, I was doing Bible studies at church, you know, and it was, you know, no offense to anybody, it was a bunch of older guys that talk about golf. Well, that was my thing, you know. I'm like, I saw this. I'm sliding into that category, unfortunately. (laughs) You know, it's it's all right. It's it's just not my thing. You know, I saw this, and I go, motorcycles? I've been into motorcycling since I was a kid. You know, I said, motorcycling, Jesus, you know, what, what, what could go wrong there, so, you know, I hooked up with these guys and you know, within the first uh probably three uh Bible studies, you know, I confessed my sins to them and said, "Hey, you know, I'm an alcoholic and I need Jesus in my life." And you know, they embraced me. You know, they didn't 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 shame me or anything. They said, "Hey, you know, we've been there too." You know. And um, you know, fortunately, those guys have uh, surrounded me since and I've been with them and they're, you know, kind of that Proverbs, uh second Proverbs 27, sec- no. Proverbs twenty seven, seventeen, you know, uh, uh, iron sharpens iron. You know, that's kind of our club's motto. And you know, these, these guys are here for me when I'm falling, you know, and I I try to be there for them, and that's how I've been living my life, I think. Sober for five years is this- this uh, this week.
0: Well done. Congratulations. Yep. And I talked with Dave and it's one of those deals where if that's something relevant to you, if you're at a place where you're like, I could use some guidance in this part of my life, um, you're wide open to talking with anybody about your journey, about what worked for you, about sobriety. and
1: Yeah, I mean, I can share my testimony and I mean, I, I've had a a a friend from high school that actually reached out to me on Facebook probably six months ago saying, hey, I'm struggling. I've seen you talk about it on Facebook, and, you know, he messaged me, hey, you know, can you help me? And um, I've reached out. I've texted him. I've called him, you know, about every week, and, you know, he wants to hook up with an AA, but, of course, it's always a bad week,
0: but... You
1: know, I'm, I'm not there to push There's them, but, but, yeah. but, yeah. I, but yeah. I encourage them. You know, yep. I, I, I send them, you know, passages and, you know, say, hey, I'm available this week if you want me to go with you. And one of these days, hopefully you'll go.
0: Well, and that's a good, I mean, to the Bible here about, you know that, and you've said that if it's not, if it's not them doing it for them, yeah. uh, it's not them initiating it and them leading the way. Yeah. It's not going to work. You so, really, do it for yeah, you, you. just, uh, yeah, so, um, you know, if you reach out to Dave, he's not going to be like shoving anything at you. Just, <laughs> just at your pace. Help you stop you along. Now. Right, yeah, yeah. Um, all right, so um, let's talk about uh, you, your, your conversion moment. You connect with these guys. What did you find with this group of guys? And then transition into what, tell us about the club. I
1: mean, kind of a lot of what you're talking about was what my church did. It was your life involved with the church. And what I noticed with these guys, they all were were in a Bible study, but everybody was in different churches. And everybody did their church things different ways. But what these guys did was they, they took it to the street. You know, they lived it. You know, they not only talked about Jesus, but they lived like Jesus as much as they could. Um, you know, a lot of these guys, you know, have had addiction problems of their own, some of them not, you know. And, you know, what, what they did was they lived it. You know, they weren't just going to their church and going to, you know, Bible study um, men's at Monday nights, and that was it. And, you know, they were they were going out and, when when they were somewhere where somebody needed prayer, they weren't one of these people that said, "Okay, I'll write that down and I'll pray for you when I get to church." They put their hands on them and prayed for them right there, and that that just knocked me out. I mean, that wasn't something I was used to. But um, you know, with that, you know, we we started hooking up with a uh, international motorcycle club. It's called Mo- Soldiers for Jesus Motorcycle Club. It's international. Um, I think we're in five countries, we got like 30 chapters across the United States, and you know, it's, it's basically two things, you know, you you like motorcycles, you like riding, then Jesus. And um, you know, we, we, we take that enthusiasm, and we uh, reach out to the uh, local motorcycle club communities, um, kind of your TV uh, Sons of Anarchy type people, you know, and I mean, these are all people that, you know, they, they have families, they have jobs, and, you know, they need Jesus, and a lot of them have Christ in their heart, but they're the kind of people that the church typically goes, we don't want you coming here, or they don't feel comfortable going to the churches because of, you know, the the Protestant ways that people have been brought up, and, you know, so they find... Jesus and us and you know, they're able to reach out when they are in need, you know, some You know if they need prayer if they get into a motorcycle accident If their mother's in a hospital with cancer, you know, they're able to reach out to us for prayer
0: So let me run with that for a minute you said um, You're probably not going to be the guy that walks up to somebody and says, hey, let me show you in the book of Romans where it says this and then go to this verse and this verse and you're no, not going to be I, the guy. I, that...
1: I, I am not your... I, I struggle with just coming up with prayers sometimes, you know, and I, I don't know verses and I don't know that. What we do is just let Jesus shine through us, you know. And, you know, we take it to the street, you know. I, we have all different characters and personalities in our in our club. And some of those guys are real good with prayer. You know, when somebody reaches out to us, you know, if we're out at a gas station or whatever, we we pray for a lot of people at gas stations. Um, you know, we'll just be out, you know, filling up our tanks and somebody, you know, with an addiction problem. A lot of people
0: need prayer at gas stations these days. Oh. <laughs> a lot of the gas stations
1: we go to, those <laughs> gas stations need prayer themselves, but... Yeah, I mean, people, I guess we're approachable. You know, we're just, we we got Jesus on our back and people see that and find us approachable. So, you know, we'll share Jesus with them in whatever way we can, whether it just be conversation or, you know, putting hands on them.
0: And what do you find your role is? Because you said you're not not necessarily pray out loud, not necessarily walking through scripture. So what's your role? What's your niche?
1: I I mean, I I guess I'm kind of the approachable person. You know, I, I, I seem to be able to, have that able to communicate with people but I mean my wife will say I'm the biggest introvert in the world you know I'll get around her friends and you won't get a word out of me but you put me out in a bunch of motorcycle guys like you can't shut me up I mean talking about fixing this and fixing that what's a yeah. new bike out there and you know I mean that's kind of my skill. and my to and in my, my, and
0: my guess is when addiction recovery comes yeah, up I, a, yeah because that's what God has done in your life I, and so I, you're I able can talk to, to
1: somebody about that you yeah know? And yeah, I'm not the kind of person that's going to tell you what to do. I'll just share what's worked in my life.
0: Yeah. And, and so what, talk about, and this is such a cheesy question, how does that make you feel? Like when you know that you have just helped someone take a step, even if it's just a click, closer or, or to experience the things that you've experienced, what does that do for you? I mean... You know, we're,
1: we're at this 24-7, you know. Whenever we're out on the road, we got Jesus on our back. And 95% of the time, it feels like we're not doing anything, you know. It, it, but, you know, just that one person, that one soul will touch, that one one cry out that, 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 that looks at us for help, you know. It's just, it means the world. I mean, there, there was one time, you know, a sister of mine, Reminded me of a story when we were coming back from uh, Colorado. Um, You know, I think we were just at the start of our day, had a couple hundred miles in. I was having some mechanical problems with my bike, so I'm on the ground wrenching. You know, my my brother's trying to help me. And then, you know, I guess a uh, truck driver came up and just saw us all, you know, so he saw me wrenching. He was talking to us a little bit about that. And then he, he, you know, got into probably a 45-minute conversation with my brother over here about his, you know, trials in life, and you know he was in a horrible truck accident that broke every bone in his body, and you know, and you know he, one of his best skills I think is just that kind of roadside ministry. I mean, he was there and just listened to him and and shared the word with them, and you know, after I got done with my bike and, you know, we, I think, all laid hands on him and prayed for them. Well, okay, day's over, you know, we, we felt good. Went about our day? Well, about 300 miles down the road, we stopped for lunch and as we were eating, the waitress came up and told us that our meals were paid for and looked over and there's that same truck driver sitting over there having lunch, nice. <laughs> nice. you know? And
0: yeah. It's just little things like yeah. that, you know? And probably, I mean, if you're like most people, that, like, that's where, like, those spiritual wow moments. Yeah. It comes from when you know that you've done something. And it wasn't
1: thumping the Bible on their head. It was just being people talking about Jesus, you know? Yeah.
0: Well, thanks for doing what you do, Dave. I appreciate you sharing with us. I'm going to finish a few more things up, and then we'll pray for you and, and the, um, um, um. Soldiers for Jesus. All right. I was good. I think soldiers for Christ, soldiers for Jesus, like it matters. But yeah. All right. Thank you, All Dave. Right. Thank you. God bless. Um, so what I want you to see, what was so inspiring to me, is a guy that, that doesn't have to have some fierce, I think you called it the Bible-thumping agenda. Just willing to be used by God on whatever level, using primarily the things that God has done in his life. And, and more than anything, as he goes, just like Jesus said, Dave's aware. What's, what's God done in my life? What's going on around me? Um, he's out there and available for God's use. And, and that's, that's really, like, that's your best... Knowing what God has done for you, even if it's just the first click, the first rung on the spiritual ladder, and all you are is here on Sundays, and it's kind of beneficial. Okay, God has you there. And, and when you're involved and connected with people's lives, and that's the other thing, is Dave's out there. Like, you need to be wherever it is, whether it's hanging at a ball field, watching your kids play ball with the other parents, whether it's at work, whether it's in some social thing. Um, you're building real friendships. As hard as it is, you're remembering people's names and what's going on in their life. So there's a connection there because, because I can't emphasize this enough. You may be, and I know that, that most of us are not willing to give ourselves this kind of promotion. You may be the most powerful asset that god has in any given group of people because you are at some level engaged with him and are like them in other words somebody who's struggling with alcoholism if you have recovered and are sober and like to ride motorcycles or play golf or or watch you know on kid play baseball or dance, cheer, whatever. You're like them. You're there at the thing that they're into. Your kids are the same age. You've went through what they've gone through. You might be the best asset that God has in their life. Not some pastor who they are already nervous about being around and feel too guilty to you because you've been through it. And you just being aware and and, and having the courage to say, you know what, this is what's helped me. And if it helps you, let me know if there's anything I can do for you. Or if you want to come to church on Easter with me and my family, you can sit with us. It's been very helpful in our life. Our kids love it, whatever. It's understanding that God doesn't need you and may not call you to get them from angry atheist to into the baptistry saying yes to Jesus. You may just represent that you get them from a negative 8 to a negative 6 because you're trustworthy, you're a good friend, you care about them, and somehow they know that Jesus matters to you. As you go, make disciples of all nations. Teach people to obey the teachings of Jesus as you go. That's the main thing. And on some level, we need to be doing that if we're really following Jesus. And if we're not doing that, we're really not following Jesus. And it doesn't have to be Bible expert. It doesn't have to be extrovert if you're an introvert. You just have to be aware and figure out who are my connections in the community out there, and be better, maybe, about building those connections, more intentional about remembering names and following up and, and showing that you care, and, and aware of what's going on and able to have simple conversations that guide people along. All right, that's all I got to say about that. I'm gonna pray for um, Soldiers for Jesus, for Dave and his, and his band of misfits, of Jesus misfits. And um, I, I seriously, just so you, I have so much respect for you guys and what you do um, and how you take your faith very seriously and have fought through stereotypes in very real ways, and I'm sure in churches have eyebrows cocked your way of more than a few times, and yet you continue on, and I, we appreciate that and love what you're doing, so keep it up. Father, thank you uh, for Soldiers for Jesus and, and other men and women who are passionate about what you've done in their lives and are willing to, in whatever circle they roll in, pass their faith along. And I pray that, that I would be more like them and all of us would learn from them and be inspired by their obedience and their love for you, and that through our obedience to the Great Commission, uh, that you would do great things through our church and through our lives, to reach the people in Brunswick and uh, the surrounding area who desperately need your redemptive work in their life. So use us, show us, and we'll follow. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a good week.